Houston Sports Radio here on the Block Talk Radio Network. It is Thursday, December 8th, 2016. James Caldwell here on the new Houston Sports Radio Podcast Network. We're talking about uh, five big topics in Houston sports today. We'll talk about a lot of different things here on a Thursday afternoon. Number one, of course, we got to talk about what's going on in the Houston Cougars and the next head football coach for the Cougars. We'll also talk about the Houston Rockets. We'll talk about the Heisman. We'll talk about Tom Herman and the Astros. We even try to come up with a lineup with all the free agent acquisitions and potential departures. What's the lineup going to look like for the Astros next year? We'll talk about that in topic number five. First up, is Lane Kiffin coming to U of H? As of Thursday, everything looks like it's going to happen. Now, they have not made it official at the time I'm recording this podcast here on Thursday afternoon. But it sure looks like Lane Kiffin, offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide, will be coming to Houston as next football coach for the Cougs. You read through the Wikipedia, just you know, just get a snapshot of the bio. It's not very flattering, to say the least. It's actually kind of bad. But watching ESPN earlier today, a little ESPN uh, discussion uh, between a couple of SEC guys who cover you know, Alabama, they're convinced that this is a new Lane Kiffin. This isn't the guy that Oakland that was way too early. The guy at Tennessee who bolted after one season. The guy at USC who, you know, got fired barely halfway into the season. All all kinds of personal, professional issues. Went to Alabama, offensive coordinator for three years. All accounts, he's supposed to be a different guy. That's what they're saying. So, Is Lane Kiffin ready to be a head coach again? I don't know. (laughs) There's just a lot of stuff. He he brings a lot of baggage, but you figure U of H is confident that being around Nick Saban at Alabama for three years is basically like a three-year rehab for coaches. That's kind of how it was described in ESPN earlier today. So is Lane Kiffin ready? I, I I guess we'll find out. They've got to make it official, but, you know, and you, you figure the buyout will be huge. In other words, he can't just bolt for the next big power conference job opening after one season or two seasons without a major financial penalty to either the, the, the university or to him, Lane Kiffin himself. So, I mean, you figure UVH is going to write that into the contract. They don't want another Art Bryles or Kevin Sumlin or Tom Herman where success leads to an exit and they got to go all over again. I mean, even today, another, we talked about this in the first episode, another American Conference coach left for a, a Power 5 team. Uh, Willie Taggart, who's over at South Florida, 10-2 and record. He's going to Oregon, according to ESPN earlier today. So, I mean, you looked at you know Memphis last year, U of H this year, Temple this year, USF this year. Four big coaches leaving American Conference football teams to go Power, power 5 conference teams. At some point, the Americans got to be part of the, the Power Five. They've got to get into the party. They've got to get invited. Otherwise, the conference will continue to have the turnover. And you know, we saw that with U of H and UT. Uh, if, if U of H would have been invited to the Big 12, which was voted on earlier this year, Herman might have stayed. And U of H would have gone to the Big 12 perhaps next year or the year after. And maybe Herman stays. Because you want to be part of the party. Um, so there's two things. Either, you know, if you're U of H, you either get invited to the Big 12 
or you hope the American Conference gets invited to the big to the big the big party, the big five, and make it a big six. Otherwise, it's just going to keep happening. The American Conference team has a good year. Coach is a is a prospect. He gets hired away. Start all over again, and, and, and that seems to be the pattern. Um, so U of H has to make this really strong buyout clause in their head coaching contracts if they want someone like Lane Kiffin, big name, high profile, to stick around. Uh, we've we've already been through the Tony Levine era where someone leaves, and uh, you know, right after losing a conference championship game, twelve and zero season goes twelve and one. And you look around, who are your options? Well, you know, Tony Levine was very popular with players. And he was a special teams coach. They they hired him beyond the bowl game, the Cotton Bowl against uh, Penn State that I attended five, six years ago. Uh, and they, But, you know, the, the program was sort of mediocre un, under, under Levine. So they brought in Herman, the hot name, the big prospect. Everybody wants a piece of Herman. And, and they brought him in, and obviously major success. So he's gone, and now you got a def- defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando, at U of H. Is that a, a Tony Levine situation all over again, where you have a guy from the previous staff who's going to coach the bowl game on the interim basis? Do you then promote him to the head coaching job, or is that a, eh, a Tony Levine? Eh, that's okay. Or do you go for the big name, Lane Kiffin, who you might have success, or you might not, or he might be gone in two years. And then you're back to trying to figure out who's the next big, you know, the hot name, the, the next big prospect in the coaching circuit. So if Len Kiffin gets done, <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting. Is he ready? You know, how different will he be from Tom Herman? Let's shift gears to the Rockets. Man, 39-point win over the Lakers last night here at Toyota Center. 134-95. to 95. I, I believe I saw on the bottom line that it was the biggest victory for the Rockets over the Lakers in franchise history. Uh, my buddy Matt out in California was a little bit upset. A little bit upset. Texted me during the game. He, he did not appreciate the final score. Lakers were shorthanded. Rockets are playing great basketball. Uh, and this was, all, this was about a 10-point game at halftime. Uh, I saw in the replay, uh, Lou Williams of the Lakers hit this ridiculous 75-foot shot Right before halftime, made it you know about it was like a 10, 11, 12 point game. With that in mind, the game was the complete opposite direction in the second half. I mean, you look at the box score for this game. Rockets just went nuts in the third quarter. The bench just played the whole fourth quarter, dominated. Lakers were shorthanded. Look at the box score: thirty five assists for the Rockets last night. Thirty five assists on fifty one made shots. That's that is sharing the ball. That is distribution. That is team basketball. And they had 20 steals. So you got a bunch of extra possessions, 35 assists, 20 steals, 51 made shots, 50 plus percent shooting, like 55, 56%. Just great basketball. It's got a real test here. Friday night on ESPN, they're going to Oklahoma City, going to play the Thunder. Rockets and Thunder are right next to each other in the standings. It's going to be a tough challenge. Russell Westbrook's playing out of his mind for the Thunder. James Harden going back to OKC where he started his NBA career. So this will be a big game on Friday night in prime time on the road. So the Rockets have some success. Patrick Beverly's playing great. James Harden, Eric Gordon, Nene, uh, Montrezl Harrell, uh, Ryan Anderson. They, I mean, they, they are, they've got it going on right now. I'm really excited to watch Rockets basketball. 
Let's see what happens Friday night on national television against the Thunder. They got a day off to get ready. I really want to see how this team does on ESPN Friday night. So tough challenge, playing great basketball right now. It's kind of it's fun to watch the Rockets. It's fun to watch them right now. Uh, we'll be back with uh, topics three, four, and five uh, right after this commercial break. Thanks to our friends over here at BlogTalkRadio.com. You can find us at BlogTalkRadio.com/HoustonTalk, and we hope to be on iTunes soon. And in the meantime, uh, be sure to bookmark us here at blogtalkradio.com slash Houston Talk. And I'll be right back after this quick timeout. All right, we're back here on Houston Sports Radio. It's December 8th, the Thursday afternoon here in Houston. And topic number three on our, on our Big Five, the Big Five board. Topic number three, Heisman ridiculousness. Now, before the Heismans... Um, there's the college football award show tonight on ESPN. I sure hope that uh, that my guy, as Vince Young would say, Deontay Foreman will win the Doak Walker Award for the best running back in college football. Now, you've got Pumphrey out of San Diego State. You've got Dalvin Cook out of Florida State. But look at what Foreman did this year. 100-plus yards in every game. You go back to last year, 13 straight games, 100-plus yards. Breaking Earl Campbell's uh, program record of 11 straight games with 100 yards, over 2,000 yards rushing. The game that got uh, Charlie Strong fired up in Kansas, 51 carries for 200 and something yards. I mean, he, he was getting 100 yards at halftime throughout the season. I, I went to probably what seven or eight Longhorn games this year. All the home games plus the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Seven, I guess so that's seven total. I mean, he. I mean, no one wanted to tackle Deontay Foreman. In my opinion, Foreman should win the Doak Walker tonight on ESPN. Let's let's see if that happens. I mean, I, Dalvin Cook's an amazing running back at Florida State. I've seen him get shut down, though, throughout the year. We saw the Cougars shut him down. I know it's last year, but we saw him get shut down by the Cougars' defense last year in the Peach Bowl. He, he's, had some, he's had some down games. He's had some amazing games. And, and I would say he's definitely the better pro prospect right now. I think that Foreman should have stayed in, uh, and stayed in college one more year, let Herman coach him up and see what he can put together next year. But I, I get leaving now, striking while the iron's hot. You might have a down year next year. He's going to be sharing snaps with Kyle Porter and Chris Warren next year if, if he would have come back. So I get him leaving. That that makes sense. Uh, I think if he would have come back, though, he could have won the Heisman, and he could have been a top-10 draft pick. But he'll get a first or second round for Foreman. And, and so he should win the Doak Walker tonight. I, I'm all about consistency. Pumphrey had a great season, too, at San Diego State. The problem with him is that his very last home game, he had like 50 yards rushing. Their, their team got blown out. Uh, it, was, it was an awful game for San Diego State. I, I think that kind of disqualifies him. Your last home game, uh, senior night, trying to break some records, and you don't get the job done. Foreman, consistent, dominant, punishing, 50 carries a game, one game. 30, 40, I mean, he just carried the ball. He carried the whole offense all season long. Which gets me to the Heisman ridiculousness. The five men invited to New York for the Heisman. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Jabril Peppers, Deshaun Watson, D.D. Westbrook. Lamar Jackson, we watched the Cougars shut him down. I mean, just, just the defense shut down Lamar Jackson in the biggest game of the season at home for the Cougars a couple weeks ago. Baker Mayfield, I saw the Longhorn defense pick him off time and time again. 
We also saw the Cougars defense shut down Baker Mayfield the first game of the season over at NRG to kick off the college football season. So Lamar, to me, should win the Heisman. He's had the best season, all that kind of stuff. Baker Mayfield, to me, I've watched him twice this year. I don't think much of him. I mean, he's had really good games against every other defense, but against the Cougars, Cougars dominated Baker Mayfield. Longhorn defense picked him off left and right. So I, I just, I you know, Baker Mayfield, I, to me, has no business being there. D.D. Westbrook's a baller to, to kind of keep the OU theme going. Westbrook's really good wide receiver. So if you're going to invite a wide receiver, you know, I get it. But D.D. Westbrook over Foreman? No. I think Foreman, as the best running back in college football, should have been in New York. Jabril Peppers out of Michigan, I get that one. You know, he had the, the versatility, he played offense, he played defense, he, you know, intercepted the ball in the Ohio State game. He had, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff on offense and defense. So I, I, I get that. I think the Heisman likes to invite people who show some sort of versatility. They're not just a pocket passer or a scrambling quarterback. They they want to see somebody who can do something interesting. So I get that. And then Deshaun Watson led Clemson in the college football playoffs. Really great season, perhaps even better than last year when they got to the college football championship game against Alabama. So, yeah, I, I get Deshaun. I get Deshaun being there. But to me, D.D. Westbrook or Baker Mayfield should be. And this isn't just an OU thing. Now, I, I respect D.D. Westbrook as wide receiver. He's an awesome wide receiver. Baker Mayfield, personal experience, watching him live twice this year. I don't think much of him. <laughs> I think either Mayfield or Westbrook should not be there. I think that Foreman should be there in New York. I, I hope he gets the consolation prize of the Doak Walker tonight on ESPN and the College Football Award Show. Who will actually win the Heisman? I think Lamar Jackson will because the gap is so big between him and the field. Uh, I, I think Deshaun Watson is the only one who might be able to take the Heisman from Lamar. But I think Lamar wins it. Not really impressed with him at the very end of the season. The Cougars dominated. And then a Kentucky beat him when he turned the ball over like three or four times. So, you know, not a good finish, but Deshaun might not have enough juice to pass him for to to pass Lamar for the Heisman. We'll find out. Topic number four: We've got a big premiere on Longhorn Network tonight. Longhorn Extra is back. They're going to have an extensive interview with Tom Herman. It's going to be a big sit down interview with Lowell Galindo. We'll see what Herman has to say after the chaos and the craziness of moving over from U of H and. And uh, the end of the season and replacing Coach Strong. What does Herman have to say? What's, you know, anything interesting, quotable? Uh, what we'll be talking about in the next podcast. I'm really interested to see his interview tonight. Got it on the DVR. I'll watch it later on tonight. We'll see what he has to say. How do you get Texas back to where it was at the, at, you know, at the cross section, the crossroads with Alabama? Alabama, Texas, national championship game, 2009 season, 2010 Rose Bowl championship game. Ever since then, I mean, it, it has been, you know, they met at the top and then it's been complete opposite paths. Alabama kept going. Texas fell off, has not recovered. How do you get Texas back to being at the top of the mountain with Alabama and the likes? So I'm curious what Herman has to say. What's his program? What's he going to do differently than Coach Brown or Coach Strong? How the players responded so far to his message? And what's his message for recruits? I mean, right now, Texas has about seven recruits for next year. You know, Charlie Strong, his rep was, you know, close strong. And that's what he did. He would bring in recruits at the very end of the of the signing period. And he would always close strong. He'd move up that, that board from, you know, 25 to 20 to top 10. 
Um, that was his thing. So, you know, what what is uh, Tom Herman's approach? Will he get recruits now or wait? You know, he's got to kind of start from scratch with some of this stuff. So well, let's see what Coach Herman has to say tonight on Longhorn Network. And we'll have coverage of that in the next uh, Houston Sports Radio podcast. So we'll take another break, our final break here of the show on this Thursday afternoon. And then we'll talk about the Astros, as promised. Carlos Beltran, I'm going to propose my lineup for this wacky Astros roster after all the free agent acquisitions and maybe a, a departure or two. I'll propose my lineup. And we'll talk about Carlos Beltran right after this. All right, we're back with topic number five on the big board. Carlos Beltran back to Houston 10 years after the amazing 2004 playoff run with the Astros. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I've wrestled with this one for a couple of days now. I don't, I don't know how to feel about it yet. You know, we, we all go back in time. Scott Boras is still a, a curse word for a lot of Astros fans. You know, negotiated the big contract, the Astros, the Mets, a couple other suitors ended up with the Mets for all this giant sum of money. Um, the Astros were, you know, left at the altar, so to speak. And and uh, the Astros management would not negotiate with Scott Boras' clients for a very long time after that. So, Beltran coming back. You know, uh, I mean, I, I remember a couple Astros games when he was on, was on the Rangers. He was on the Rangers and Yankees last year, and he got booed. When it came, I mean, we still remember. We still remember, you know, Albert Pujols' home run in the in the 05 playoffs. We remember Beltron, you know, bolting for New York. What kind of reception? Will we, I mean, there's there's got to be a there's got to be some sort of message to fans about this. Like, hey, sorry guys, I really. <laughs> I mean, what can you say? I took the money, you know, I took the money, and now I've come back home. I, I don't know. I mean, I know we started off with the Royals, so it's not really home. Uh, for him, it was his first big uh, playoff run, though. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the message is, but I, I don't know how to feel yet. I'm not sure how Astros fans should feel. You know, we're, we're kind of a forgiving people. Uh, we're, we're Southern hospitality. I'm sure we'll welcome him back. And I just don't know if people are going to be snapping up Beltron jerseys, putting extra money in his pocket. I, I don't know about that, but I really, I really want to see what that opening day reception is for Beltron first game. Back in Houston at Minute Maid. That one stung for several years for Astros fans when he, when he left after the 04 playoffs. Let's look at this lineup. So the Astros not only added Beltron, they added Brian McCann, Josh Reddick, Nori Aoki, and they lost Jason Castro, the catcher. And they might lose Colby Rasmus because I, I don't know why else you're bringing all these outfielders. So the lineup is kind of tricky. I, I, I thought a lot about this lineup. And... You can go a lot of different ways with this lineup, but he, here's what I've got right now. I've got Alex Bregman at third base leading off. I've got George Springer in, the, in I guess, right field. We'll keep him in right field, batting second. Altuve, who should have been the MVP. That's another topic for another time. Uh, Jose Altuve batting third uh, at second base. Carlos Correa batting fourth at shortstop. And then you get all the sluggers, and, and you've got to have some balance in here. I'm going to go with Brian McCann batting fifth. Have left-handed bat. I've got him at catcher, and then Beltron batting sixth. I I guess he's in the outfield. He, he could also be a DH. And then you've got Evan Gaddis. He could play catcher if you want McCann to be at first base. Gaddis could be at 
catcher, he could be at first base, he could be DH. So basically, McCann, Beltron, Gaddis, you could interchange those parts and positions and, and order. Uh, but I, I've got five McCann, Beltron six, Gaddis seven, and then after Gaddis, you need a good bat at eight. And that's where you get into your, your Rasmus, your Marisnik, your Redick. You know, one of those guys, a, a little bit of power, but a dependable bat. If you lose Rasmus, maybe it's Mariznick or it could be Reddick, who you just signed. Uh, so I would have Reddick out there in center field, batting eighth. And then Naoki at nine. This could also be Mariznick or Reddick. Or, uh, I figure there's going to be a platoon here somewhere with these free agents mixing with guys who've been on the roster for a couple years now. But I've got Aoki at nine. I like him turning the lineup over. Um, he could also be your leadoff batter if you want to put him first some games. But I've got him nine to have sort of a, a natural leadoff batter in that nine hole to kind of get your lineup turned over back to Bregman, Springer, and Altuve. One through nine, I've got Bregman, I've got Springer, Altuve, Correa, McCann, Beltron, Gaddis, whoever your center fielder is, and then Aoki out there in left field. I think this lineup is very potent. You you got to have balance. It, it seems like watching the Astros during this you know power era, it's always been that <laughs> times where there's like five strikeouts in a row. You know the the Chris Carter era of Gaddis and Carter striking out back to back. So I figure you've got to have some balance in the middle uh, with, with you know Beltron. I you know watching Beltron last year, it looked like he just couldn't get the, get around on the ball, like his hips stopped working. Like he was, just, he was just really stiff watching him bat, where he would try to turn his hips and they weren't moving, and so it was all arms or he'd be flailing at balls. So, I mean, they might need to surround him with really good hitters. So you might need to put him maybe a little bit lower in the lineup. But I feel like if he if if his batting is back to where it was, he can provide provide so much power to the bottom half of the lineup that you got to keep him there. Uh, but if he can't hit. If he's a strikeout machine, then you got to put him with a lot of good batters next to him, and that's where you might you might have to drop him all the way down to eight, and, and put uh, you know a, a Marisnik or a Reddick in an Aoki. I, I want to see what what Beltran looks like swinging because he did not look very good from what I saw last year. Um, so let's check that out in, in uh, spring training. I mean, there are gonna be so many spring training battles. You've got free agents, veterans, uh, you know, triple A call ups. So there's going to be some interesting battles. I mean, your, your bench is going to be really good, though. You should have a really good bench with a lot of guys on the roster. So we'll see how that plays out uh, with Astro Spring Training coming up in a couple months. Talk a lot more about that and any other free agent moves we'll discuss here on the hot stove of winter. If you want, watch MLB Network during the day. Man, there's a there's like a transaction every, every, every hour, it seems like. So let's see what happens. Any more Astros deals? And uh, what happens with Colby Rasmus? We'll talk about that if, if anything happens with Colby and his status with the Astros. Next time here on Houston Sports Radio, we'll talk Texans on the next podcast, either before or after that big game against the Colts, Sunday in Indianapolis. Next time we're on the show, will Lane Kiffin officially be part of U of H? We'll talk more about that, plus other big news here on Houston Sports Radio. Again, as always, thanks to podcastthemes.com. And for hooking us up with the theme songs here on the podcast, be sure to bookmark us here at blogtalkradio.com slash Houston Talk. And we hope to be on iTunes soon, so you can download us, get that alert right there on your device to download the show. Half hour, we'll do about a half hour every every couple days or so. And so until the next episode of Houston Sports Radio, thank you guys for listening. Appreciate your support. 
of the show here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. This is James Caldwell signing off. See you next time here on the podcast.